Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. The following program is produced with an artistic vengeance by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. True crime uncensored. I am. Let me look. <coughs> yep. Yes, me, all right. Legendary Burl Bear. Uh, Howard Lapidus is the man who usually sits in that chair. And you, you should point out, Burl, that you're not the one who just cleared your, your throat. That no, was Mark. That was Mark. That was the real professional over there, Mark C.G. Boyer. Uh, no. no. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Howard Lapidus will be joining us when he finds his way into the building. <laughs> I was... Um, uh, curious there, Burl. You were curious. You were also yellow. That's Mark C.G. Boyer. Yes. Uh, um, are you sure it, it's an artistic vengeance or with great disdain that he produces this show? <laughs> well, B. <laughs> yeah. B. Judging from his attitude so far, I'd, I'd say vitriolic. <laughs> well, the vitriolic vengeance reminds me of a story. I think you're on to something, Burl. Uh, yeah, I think I am. Yeah, I wish I was on something. Uh, speaking of which, I got a drug smuggler on the phone. Oh, well, great. A former drug smuggler. Excellent. Yeah, he used to be. Not anymore. Now, he smuggles recovery. He brings Sartori in through the window and out the door. <laughs> you are not well. No, I, believe me, I know that better than anyone. <laughs> Leonard, is, is this Burl Bear's House of Crime? Yes, it is the House of Crime. Mm, well, the show's okay. a crime. Uh, quiet. Yes, uh, my agent over at CAA told me to call this number uh, this afternoon. Yeah, well, if you call, uh, if you call Philip Morris. The party of which I'm intended to talk. Is this the party of which I'm intended to talk to? Yeah, yeah. If you were calling uh, William Morris, he'd answer the phone in India. <laughs> They've outsourced it for your convenience. It's kind of like being in the witness protection program. Uh, Leonard, be, be, being on the show is like being in the witness protection program. Yeah, we, oh, no one's been killed. Am, am, am I here to be sacrificed or crucified? Uh, take your pick. Your Jewish will be crucified. Welcome to the show, Leonard Lee Bouchel. You haven't been on for a few weeks. But <laughs> you mean a year. It's wonderful to be back with you guys. The intimacy is just overwhelming. I might start to cry. <laughs> well, All our right. audience is, I know he's that. Got, he's got Stilkus. Well, you got, you got, oh, you got, it's for bludgeoning. over I here. would buy stock and clean, I would buy stock and Kleenex right now. There's going to be so many tears in the audience. Yeah. Who put a quarter in Mark C.G. Boyer today? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. So I think he was vaccinated with a phonograph needle. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Huh? Tragic story. Uh, you know, people should be buying tickets. See anything. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but instead of listening to this, in they should be out buying tickets. Yeah. <laughs> but they should also be buying tickets to one of the most important events to take place uh, next Thursday. <laughs> actually, it's, it's, actually, it's this coming Thursday, February 28th. And that's going to be in the despicable room of the... Uh, <laughs> 
going to be in the main theater at the Skirball Cultural Center and Museum, uh, just on the one ridge north of the Getty Museum. Catholics uninvited. <laughs> no, Catholics are invited. Oh, they are? Yeah. Well, they don't have substance abuse problems, do they? <laughs> no, no, they have other problems. Yeah. They have guilt They're problems. Uh, it's the Experience, Strength, and Hope Awards, and people should get tickets so they'll have a comfortable seat. Correct. Are you sure there's a comfortable seat in that house? I've looked last time I was there, and I was in a lot of seats when people were filing into the building. And your butt was okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Which reminds me, Leonard, there are some stories in your life involving comfortable seats and events, such as, for instance, the time you and your brother went to see Van Morrison. What? Yes, at the Academy of Music in Philadelphia. And I take it the concert was pretty darn good. My brother was so moved by the concert, he wanted something to remind him of that evening for the rest of his life. And we picked up one of the opera chairs out of the box and blocked for him as he walked out of the Academy of Music with a very plush red and wood chair. Don't... I'm gonna, I'm gonna cry. Yeah, I'm choked up already. That's so sweet. <laughs> that's, that's and, in, and into the mystic we went. <laughs> Did anybody chase after him trying to get the chair back? Uh, another fan who also wanted it. Boy, that's like that scene in uh, Blow Up where they fight over the Yardbirds guitar. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Oh, one. yeah, I remember that very well. Was that 40 years ago? Yeah, when we were young. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of yard birds, I am not a jailbird. No, you never went to jail for all your misdeeds. No, you went to visit an ex-president's wife. What? The day is young. Time. <laughs> yeah, anything could happen between now and sundown. Wow, but he does have the distinction of, getting, of being one of the only uh, disc jockeys on air to be, be arrested. arrested live. Wait, he, he was a disc jockey where? It must have been an album rock or something. I was a disc jockey in Atlantic City, New Jersey. That's on the Jersey Shore. Yeah, that doesn't and, uh, count. North of Wildwood. Yeah. Is that when, uh, that we when you were raided by the cops? The station was WLDB. The show was called The Underground Shoots Up at Midnight. I had a feeling it would be something like this, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's before... That stuff became so... Before formats and listeners, yep. (laughs) No, before shooting up became so popular and dreadful. Yeah, that's true. So that's where you were when the cops raided the place and arrested your brother? That is correct. (laughs) On the air. On the air. Now, I always thought that has to be one of the great radio moments in American history. Unfortunately, no one heard it. It was Atlantic uh, City. Only, only about a hundred more that are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh, got a, a little shot there. No, no, but I'll tell you what. But this man speaks the truth. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> I like this guy. Hey, it could be worse. Yeah. When I was working at when I was working at Breaker Radio Services, they had six different formats: country, this, that, the other. And they had top programmers, uh, Rick Sklar from uh, WNBC. ABC. ABC, excuse me, thank yes. you. The Fifth Beatle. There's so many Fifth Beatles that there were like 12 of them. 17 of them. Yeah. And uh, after after a few weeks, Pat O'Day took me aside and said, Burl, I must confess, we have no subscribers. <laughs> Everyone's been broadcasting to a room and no one, no one outside the room could hear them. It's a tragic story. I- I've seen your Arbitron numbers, but only after I bought a magnifying glass. (laughs) Uh, That's a true story, though. 
So that's right. So we have this ama- we have this terrific event that is open to the public uh, on Thursday, February 28th. It's a celebration of the arts and recovery from drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, it is at the Skirball Cultural Center. It's our 10th year, and we're inviting back all the previous recipients of the award, such as Lou Gossett Jr., Joey Pantoliano, uh, Buzz Aldrin will be coming, along with uh, Mackenzie Phillips, uh, legendary TV announcer, personality Pat O'Brien, I don't know if you remember Jane Velez Mitchell from CNN. They'll all be there, uh, along with 300 other people who just want to laugh, have a good time, schmooze a little. Is Ed Begley Jr. going to be there again? Ed Begley Jr. better be there because he is the host. <laughs> well, that's good. He was the host about every other time I've been there, so I figured he's got to be coming. And, uh, which is why the uh, event is guaranteed to end on time at 9 o'clock. Uh, because that's Ed's bedtime. Bedtime, yeah. I, I figured it was. Is uh, Joanna Cassidy going to be there? It, it, uh, some of the cast, they actually were honoring the very incredibly gifted, amazing, talented actress uh, Jody Sweeten, who started her career at a, a ripe old age of five Ooh. Uh, as a uh, co-star of the TV show Full House. Oh, how about and that? was on that show for many years, took a little hiatus to go get high, and came back 10 years later to star on the new Netflix, not new Netflix, the Netflix series, Fuller House. Yeah. And she wrote a book called Unsweetened. Clever. And it it, 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 it sort of documents her journey uh, as a child star to an adult drug addict, if I say so myself, and then into recovery and into a life. Uh, catapulted into the fifth dimension, as they say uh, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Who, who hasn't done that? It's having an amazing life with children and men and a career and uh, just a beautiful person uh, just hanging out around her. You can feel the light uh, shimmering off her. So she's the one uh, being uh, presented with the award by one of her uh, co-stars on the show. We're not at liberty to to mention it yet because he's such a big star he doesn't want people coming there just to see him he wants people coming to acknowledge how amazing uh, Jody's transformation has been well that's great you know, it must be very difficult being a child star I can remember the uh, the guy who played the, the son on uh, Roseanne he was on some some talk show. Yeah, Michael somebody. How about that? That's yeah, I have it accurate. Yeah. yeah, and he was saying, I mean, you think he was on that show for so many years that it was like a second family to him. And then when the show finally was canceled, they tore down the set and everything. It was like, oh. you know, devastating. Mm. For you or for that guy? Oh, for him. Oh, okay. And the same thing with uh, Rusty Hamer from, uh, you know, Make Room for Daddy. The Danny Thomas show. Yeah. yeah. Sort of the way you're going to feel when they tear down your studio when they realize you have no permit. <laughs> well, not to mention that. I mean, I think, you know. Don't yeah. bring that up. OSHA will be here. And <laughs> OSHA. Yeah, the only danger. By the way, for, for all of you loyal fans, Earl Bear will be in attending the event. He will be there. Yes. Uh, I will. I'm going to give myself an award. Sign, 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 <laughs> signing autographs and, and, and doing tattoos. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so you're going to have an autograph table there, bro? Oh, yeah, yeah. I certainly am. I'll, I'll autograph anything. When I was doing a signing at Barnes & Noble, we were out of my book, so I started autographing Sidney Sheldon's books. <laughs> okay. 
I figured that. Why Did you not? Send it to Cindy's show? Yeah, damn right. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, a, that's a good technique because that way the store can't send them back to the publisher. Right. My nephew was signing stock at a Barnes and Noble uh, for his books. They go, uh, you, you can't, you can't deface those books. <laughs> You'll have to buy them if you deface them. Is putting my name in them? But you don't have them bought them yet. <laughs> it's difficult. Now you had a best-selling book that you published years ago. Uh, yes, I did. It was called Algae to the Rescue. Everything you need to know about nutritional blue-green algae, uh, which some people refer to as spirulina. Oh, I remember. I, know, I had that. That was that's a that was a barn burner of a book. What, 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 are, are you yeah, making did, fun uh, of? Are you making fun of Leonard? Uh, yes. Oh, why, why would you do that? Because I'm silly. <laughs> oh, okay. Because he can get you back like that. Yes, he could. Okay. But then, since I'm not in the business, it's not a big deal. Well, you're not in any business. That's correct. And that's none of your business. <laughs> and it's not in my business that I'm not in any business. So of course you're you're we say. <laughs> which is why you don't have to file income taxes. That's right. Of course, could we say it's a pleasure doing business when pleasure is your business? That's another story. Name the movie. Can you name the movie? Um, can we care about anything? The Italian Stallion. No, Start the Revolution Without Me, starring Gene Wilder and... Uh, uh, Gene Wilder. And Gene Wilder and uh, Orson Welles. See what a memory I have for obscure yes. lines from films? Well done. Um, well, yeah. Quiet already. You know, you have no life, Pearl. What's with this guy? I don't know. He's mouthing <laughs> off today like there's no tomorrow. And he's saying things that he shouldn't be saying. Okay. But we're glad we have Leonard here. He gives a tone of balance and rationality uh, to the program. Some otherwise... ballast, if you will. Some yeah. weight. Some gravitas. Yeah. Mm. I haven't even said hello to Leonard yet. Hello. Say hello. Say hello yeah. to Leonard. That's Howard yeah. Lapidus, manager of the star. I'm the star. And... Uh, Howard, one of these days, please return my phone call. <laughs> what the hell is that? When did you call? Like six years ago? No, I call like every every year around the around the holidays. Around the, high, the high holidays or the, uh, the Christmas holiday? Well, since I don't get high anymore, it's it's the Christmas. <laughs> okay. I he calls to ask your forgiveness around Yom Kippur. No, I know you're very well connected, and I have a, a national chain of recovery sober film festivals called the Real Recovery Film Festival. Uh, we've been in nine cities around the country. We're having our 11th year at the Lemley in Los Angeles in North Hollywood, and uh, we're always looking for people to help inspire us and get us uh, some uh, talent and sponsors. So let me get this straight. You're coming to me for that stuff? <laughs> no. That just goes to show how desperate he is. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> now, I have been to the Real Recovery Film Festivals. In fact, I went to the very first one. Is that R-E-E-L? R-E-E-L. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. That's a dot .org. It's a dot .org. And, boy, do you remember uh, yeah, that first one, that. Leonard? That, that was 10 years ago, Burl, that you were there. Time goes uh, by. So ben Stiller was there. Yes, the first film we started with was Midnight. Permanent uh, Midnight. No, no, uh, Permanent Midnight. And Jerry Stahl, the writer, and Ben Stiller, the star, came and talked about the film for about a half hour, half hours afterwards. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was really sad. That was like at the silent movie theater or something. Was, yes, but it was a talkie. Yeah. But it was called the Silent Movie Theater on 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 Fairfax. Yeah, and uh, I remember that. After that, we moved into the Lemley chain, and are happy about it. And it got bigger. It got to be more days. 
Yes, it's seven days in a row. And for people who are in uh, AA, NA, CA, AFL, CIO, uh, OA, it's the, it's the longest recovery event in the country. Uh, seven days in a row, we don't stop. And it's pretty, and the films are great. You get to see some films you wouldn't see otherwise because <laughs> they're not exactly, you know, maybe playing downtown. And some of them should be. But I've seen some well, great, great films there. Yeah, we, we show a lot of premieres that do end up on Netflix or Amazon Prime. So they do, uh, eventually get available to the general public. But it's fun to see them for the first time with a live audience. And then we talk about them, uh, after every film. We have a, a filmmaker or a clinician, or me, uh, talk with the audience. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a great exposure for new filmmakers to, you know, to get a chance to get some... Uh... Yes, I finally, found, I finally found my calling. I'm an exhibitionist. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of no, told we, you knew, that. we knew that a long time <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, but what I think is, is fascinating, and being as I am familiar with some, some of the more exciting parts of your life story, is you, you did a lot of things in your life career-wise, aside from selling drugs and smuggling drugs. You're a photographer, uh, the racetrack, <laughs> all, all sorts of fun and exciting things. And yet things really came together for you. When you followed your passion, I just don't mean the good-looking women. I mean, you've always loved motion pictures. You've always loved the arts. Yes. Mm-hmm. It reminds my Uncle Phil when I was going to go buy a car, and I'm saying, I could buy this, I could buy that. He said, Burrow, stop. What do you want? What is the car you love? I said, oh, Volvo 1800E. He says, buy that. So I did. But sometimes we take the things that we love, that we really right. want, and we shove them to the side thinking for some reason... That's you're not allowed to afford it or have it. Yeah. Now, when 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 my friends started buying cars uh, in my old neighborhood in Philadelphia, everyone I knew started buying cars. They bought the car so they could drive to work to make money to pay for the car. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's basically what they did with their car. They drove it to work so they could make money to make the payments on the car. Well, I just stood there and watched him <laughs> driving back and forth to work. <laughs> I had a, uh, a you know, having having you know freeing up my time to read books, play stickball, and generally you know pursue uh, as you said, uh, you know, try and uh, attain as much carnal knowledge as I could. I don't blame you. It's a good hobby. We, we there were two kinds of kids growing up in my neighborhood. Ones who had world books. And one who's had colliers. <laughs> you could tell it wasn't a high-class neighborhood because no one had a Encyclopedia Britannica. Did they have world books? I was book? very happy. My mother bought me a world book, and I tried to read it. One, one, uh, series, you know, what, what are they called? Those I, books, when they get you know, ten books in a row, what right, are they called? Right, a series, the, uh... A whole lot of books. A whole lot of books. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> encyclopedia, the Britannica was very expensive. Yeah. It's good to know, Mark. Right. <laughs> it was expensive. And I think that helped me, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think that's uh, something maybe wrong with the younger generation now. I don't think they are uh, exposed to things like astronomy and geology and the things that make you, you know, fascinated, the things that make you fascinated about Life on Earth as it is, life on Earth as it was. I don't think there's enough emphasis put on on history 
or poetry in schools today, and I'm somehow I think it's it's connected to the rampant, incredible opiate crisis that the country is going through with uh, forty to seventy thousand people dying a year of overdoses. I thought I was interesting really... is the people die. One of the largest groups of people dying from uh, the opioid overdoses, which were an overdose crisis, as I think you mentioned in one of your previous articles, is men over 65 uh, forgetting that they took their medications and taking them again, which we saw happen at Outlaw Radio with a friend of ours who's now deceased, the former drummer of uh, Buffalo Springfield who had to take oh. massive amounts because he had, you know, accidents and strokes, one thing or another. And he, he had to take, you know, opioids. And he couldn't remember whether he'd take them or not. And he'd take them again. And then, <laughs> and then he'd really be unhappy. But uh, who hasn't done that? <clears throat> so you don't, you don't think that the uh, Mark Boyer media asking you a question and technology have shortened individuals' attention spans, making it a lot more difficult for them to sit back and read, you know, War and Peace? Oh, absolutely. No, they're incapable. Unfortunately, they're incapable in many ways. But that could be turned around. That could be uh, remedied with some some better, you know, not better teachers. The teachers are great. Uh, yeah, I, I do wonder about... These kids now, one and two years old. I, I start to I start to photograph whenever I'm in public or in a restaurant, and there's a kid like two years old or under on a phone or an iPad. I will walk right up to the table and take their picture and not say anything because I don't have the scientific uh, information behind me to explain how that's causing you know serious uh, emotional and brain damage to children. And it's not just that they're looking at the screen. It's what they would be doing if they weren't. They'd be moving. They'd be thinking. They'd be pondering. They'd be exploring. But now they're just sitting there staring. It used to be the same thing when when TV was the new fascination. I used to spend all day long, instead of outside playing, I'd spend it staring at the TV set. Except that when I first started showing the TV set, all there was was a test pattern. <laughs> you know, until like two in the afternoon. I used to sit as, as a kid, as an eight-year-old, and sit in front of the TV day in and day out, day in and day out. My mother came to me one day and said, do you think somebody's going to pay you to watch TV your whole life? And they did. Ta-da, ta-da. <laughs> and you became a producer. That's correct. Perfect. That's like my, my buddy Robin Sherwood, who I worked with in the radio. I had uh, lunch with him years ago in uh, desert, <laughs> at, uh, Palm Desert. He was concerned about his son. He says, all my son does is play video games, play video games. On a computer, a video game. What is it? He's going to get a Nintendo scholarship or something? So fast forward now, 15, 20 years. His son has an incredibly high paying job. <laughs> Running Nintendo. Yeah, right. <laughs> Playing video games. Well, it's and, a, uh, it's always nice to point out the one in a million exception for yeah. to prove your points. I don't have a point. <laughs> Uh, Except your head. Your head. Well, yeah, there we go. Two, <laughs> two at once. Yeah. We did the top of your head joke. Yeah, that's right. Do we know why they had those dunce caps on people's heads? Remember that? Where did dunce cap? Anybody know? Where? The reason for that yeah. was it was like a funnel. They thought if they put that cone on their head, that uh, they'd wind up saying they were from France and uh, eating styrofoam. <laughs> no, that they were so many mass quantities. That's right. No, that it would like funnel information to their head. Okay. 
Uh-huh. Well, that's interesting. Not. Okay. Can, can, can your fact checker uh, get back to us before the show's over and see if that's accurate? Uh, okay. You can't. Okay. Keep your mouth shut and just start looking. <laughs> I thought it was created so that 50 years later, Saturday Night Live could create the Coneheads. Yes. Yeah, that was the the consume mass quantities. Kind yeah, of. that was your reference. We got that. Okay, yeah. keep looking. Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> Jeez. We did get that, too. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you. Well, you know, I, so, you know, I have to... Where was our producer down. who knows how to turn his when, mic down? When, uh, <laughs> when, when I was a kid, uh, and I was going to Hebrew school, we had the Coneheads. The Coneheads. They don't bump. <laughs> that's not me coughing, ladies and gentlemen. That's Mark C.G. Boyer. Someone complained about me coughing all the time on a It's not you. It's, not me, it's, it's you. Mark C.G. Boyer week in and week out. And we want him to Girl, get better. Why don't you give out the address of the studio so people can send you some cartons of cigarettes? <laughs> we have well, that's cigars. That's a terrible here. idea. But that's not a bad <laughs> idea. Just send them to Outlaw Radio, Los Angeles, dot com. <laughs> and, one the, and they can send you those little pink... You know, lapel ribbons at the same time. <laughs> yes, at the same time. Actually, I haven't had a cigarette uh, since the show started. How's that? Oh, just a second. I thought you were going to actually say something uh, meaningful. No. So <laughs> 20 minutes you haven't had a cigarette? No, wow. I haven't. No. I haven't had a cigarette since uh, 1989. Really? Yeah. It says here. Oh, we don't. Uh-oh, you got to be careful. careful. You found the information that fast? It says here, the origin of the dunce cap. All begins with one man, John Dunn's Scoutus. What, 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 he invented it? Uh, hmm, his tripart name, where he was born, it would eventually lead to the concept of a dunce. Well, he was an idiot. What uh, the hell are you talking about? I'm well, he was supposed to look up the origin of yeah. the dunce and camp. He's not, all over the place. Not the origin of the guy's three-part name and yeah. why he was a dunce. Ah, but this is where the dunce cap came from, because he invented it. He invented it. What's it supposed to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can breathe it quietly. We'll, we'll get back to you. He's davening over there. <laughs> hey, speaking of davening, didn't you smuggle a hash from Israel? It was more than a hash. It was more than a hash? Yes. Well, you know, in Philadelphia, there was a shortage of hashish. In fact, it was not available. And uh, I couldn't live without it, so I flew to uh, Tel Aviv and started to look around and eventually found some. And uh, why, didn't you, why didn't you just go to the Eagles' locker room? The Eagles, didn't they do great two years ago? Yeah. Uh, I don't understand that. Why would I go to the Eagles' locker room? Oh, because they would have Oh, no, I have no idea why. No, if I didn't have any, they didn't have any. Trust me. I'm going to trust uh, you, but uh, trust me. <laughs> they did then, or did you? Yes, now? They, they did. But but he didn't know that. So I've been in more know. than one NFL locker room. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you weren't there in 19. You weren't there in 1970. When if I couldn't get hashish, the Eagles didn't have hashish. <laughs> okay. So you uh, went to Tel Aviv. Yes. Look yeah. a rickety bus down to Jerusalem found a willing salesman who uh, provided us with uh, I was there with a friend uh, and we we uh, we got what we needed to continue to breathe isn't, isn't that the like live, a... to, to continue to think that is that is the the uh, insanity of drug addiction so is that when you uh, you strapped all the uh, hashish to some girl in a bodysuit and put her on a plane? 
No, that was that was the next time. <laughs> the next time. <laughs> this is when I put it in a girdle I bought at a uh, lingerie store in Tel Aviv the night before we left, and we stuck it down the girdle with some talcum powder, which I wouldn't do today because I understand there's asbestos in it. Yeah, you and you understand that. correctly, by the way. Yeah, and we uh, we flew back, and we were quite relieved. Unfortunately, the little thing happened when I was actually selling my last quarter ounce in a neighborhood that's been in the news a lot lately. It's called Kensington in Philadelphia. Uh, I was in a, someone's basement selling the last quarter ounce, and as instead of taking out their money, they took out pistols and held them to my head and my heart and said, okay, give us all your money, and we're taking your hash." And we're certainly not paying for it. We had a very I remember, I remember the gun against the temple of my head uh, was a revolver, and I remember looking in the revolver, and there were bullets in the chambers. And uh, it was sort of a interesting experience, I must say. And he decided, I'm not going to sell in that neighborhood again. That was my revelation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you look up Kensington, Philadelphia right now, you'll see it's the most... Uh, Famous neighborhood in America for uh, drug addiction, sadly. Uh, we had a Kensington in Toronto. Uh, Kensington. And, uh, and, that, and that relates how? Uh, because it's uh, called Kensington. Ah. And, and, I, uh, and I was under contract and, and, to Kensington and, and, Publishing. And there was no shortage okay. of drugs No shortage of drugs in Kensington Market. In okay. And I smoked hashish in Kensington Gardens in, in London a long time ago. It made the flowers even more colorful than they were on their own. All right, to our listeners, uh, send us a note for and uh, mention your Kensington. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. Everybody with a Kensington in their city. Uh, yeah, all, yes. In Buffalo, we had a Kensington yeah. Avenue, so there. There. Uh, uh, yeah, sunny South Kensington, song by Donovan. That's it. Well, hopefully someone's up there Googling Kensington, Philadelphia, and you'll see what I mean. Some people have done amazing photo essays of life in Kensington. It'll 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 curl your hair. It, it's there's staggeringly great that. photographs but of how people live and it's just the way people live. If the photographer is, you know, completely non judgmental, non exploitive, he's not exaggerating anything, is this how people live? And I don't want to say they're okay with it, but they've learned to live with it. Well, well, yeah, what you uh, get used to becomes uh, average and normal. You adapt to yes. it. Yes, and the important things of, you know, eating and shelter are, are paramount. And getting high. And getting high because so, that is your mantra. That is your goal. That is your goddess. That is your god. Uh, that's your guru. And uh, See, it's well, interesting because of the, the, the great motivating drives for human beings they always learn was food, shelter, sex. No, no water? Or is water coming to food? It's coming to food. Okay. So food, shelter, sex. Is it coming to sex also? The, the various forms of it? Yes. That's so like food, shelter, leather. <laughs> Wine, women, and song. Yeah. It's drugs and rock and roll. Yeah. So for some people, it's the order of the priorities gets moved around. Uh-huh. You know, what is, what is more but important? Some people, uh, some people's case, certain uh, perhaps harmful substances become more important than those things. 
Oh, uh, you know about that. No. <laughs> well, like what? <laughs> That's why I was always fortunate. Hey. <laughs> what, like what? What's more important? Well, at, get it, getting the next fix. If it's if it's a uh, a physically addicted heroin, driver, you're, you're going to be sick. If you're a heroin sick. addict, heroin is more important. That's right, because you you could die without it. If your child is starving, getting those child's food is is more important than for yourself. Correct. And if you're a sex addict and you had a choice of sex or a burger, you would go for the sex if you were that. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. If it's me, I'm having the burger during sex. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you can use your back for a tray. Yes, which is why they charge you extra. Always did. <laughs> they always did. Yeah, okay. Um, so getting to a more serious note. Yeah. Do you all have your Medicare? Yes. Uh, not not there yet. A couple of years to go. You may not okay. live long enough to get it. Well, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a possibility. Well, Burl has his. Okay. I have mine. I was wondering what the demographics of the show is so I can actually... Uh, you know, three Altacocker Jews, I guess. No, you all have... Family members, you're forced to listen to this. I know. Uh, well, you know, I tried uh, I tried uh, uh, duct taping an ant uh, to her chair once, but it didn't work. Oh, that's no that, that's that. picture picturesque. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Mark. You're welcome. I want to see the ant oh. that you duct taped to a chair. That's cool. I, I I keep trying to get her to come over. She has. <laughs> okay, enough. <clears throat> enough of that. Okay, Leonard Lee Bruchel. Girl, who's your who, who's your who was your guest last week? Uh, who was the guest last week? He was excellent. <laughs> I think it was Burl Bear. Uh, no, I don't think. No, so. no, no. You were the week before. But uh, the theme of your show is usually oh, it was authors. It was uh, it was Doc Bond. Doc Bond, yes. The it's criminologist. Great, you know, I know there's Star. a. I know there are actually millions of people who who thrive and study and are big fans of true crime. Uh, obviously, everyone who lives in Washington is. Yeah, yeah they live it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get away from it. Well, true um, crime, true crime is actually a genre that's really uh, rising quickly. Uh, nothing. No, and I know, and I know. There's actually more women fans than men. That's true. It is a female-driven genre, which is why we're on Outlaw Radio, which is a male-driven audience. We're, we're, trying, we're to, trying to bring the women we're in. We're trying to bring uh, men That's into our, true crime. Men. Not as participants, but as fans. Okay. okay. We thought that would be a wise I appreciate that immensely, and I, I really appreciate you having me on the show so we could banter. I could talk about some great things happening. Uh, oh, I was thinking about you last night when I watched a Netflix uh, program about uh, Bill Murray and how Bill Murray's stories of him just showing up places and being in the moment and spontaneous, etc. And uh, I thought of you and your, your statement of, of living life uh, awake <laughs> and being, being there for your own life. Yeah, I'd say specialize in your own life. Uh, don't 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 grow old without noticing that you've been alive. I've had this peculiar habit for the last 24 years, where at the end of the day or at, the, at night, I write down who I saw and what I did that day, so I can look back and say, yes, I did live. I was alive because it's so 
it's so non not it's so non material. So where's all this paperwork? In my bookshelf. He's got bookshelves, trust me. He has got bookshelves. I trust you, but I trust Leonard first. I would do that if I were you. That's what I'm doing. He's as neurotic as he is, he's more sane than I am. (laughs) 